Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we meet Salum Awad. He is a entrepreneur, advisor, investment banker, public speaker, and author. He was recently appointed by the President of the United Republic of Tanzania as the Chairman of Cereals and Other Produce Board in Tanzania. Salum also holds several executive and board roles. We will hear about Salum's journey, his views on startup investment in Africa, and how he is making a difference as a global citizen in the Pan-African reach, working with companies and international organizations in the region in the areas of corporate advisory, funds management, private equity, M&A, amongst several other domains. Welcome, Salum. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, Stephen, and thanks for having me. Wonderful. Salum, I know we um, we you know we we exchanged some notes here before we started the podcast. But uh, tell us where where are you actually based in Tanzania? I'm actually based in Dar es Salaam, which is the major commercial city uh, along the shores of Indian Ocean. Yeah, wonderful. You know, Salum, I uh, I have uh, I have been to Tanzania several times, but it was um, over over a couple of decades ago. So it's 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 been a while, but uh, I'm very familiar with uh, with Tanzania, and I I loved it when I was there. So obviously things have changed, but obviously for the positive. But want to just share that bit of information as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know I think if you've been here, beautiful place. I'm sure you enjoyed your times when you're here, and and now things have really changed. So the next time you're here, I hope you enjoy uh, not just the hospitality but the pace and development that we see, uh, not just the Islam, but the entire country that is experiencing currently. Excellent. Uh, Salam, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, you know, your personal and professional leadership, leadership journey. Um, tell us um, how, how it all started and where you're at at the moment. Yeah, sure. So my, I think my journey, my professional journey started in 2004, when I graduated with my first degree from the University of Dar es Salaam. Uh, and initially, actually, uh, the, the idea of my career path was totally different from where I am today. Um, so I started, uh, so I, uh, at the moment I graduated, I was employed by State University of New York uh, with a project, which of course was to assist the Tanzanian parliament on technical assistance. Uh, and of course, I moved to work for a pension fund. Uh, and then thereafter, I left and started uh, SSC Capital. Uh, that's pretty much 12 years ago. Uh, and, 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 and my initial trajectory of my career was pretty much working in the public space or in development space. But when I was exposed to the world of pension fund and the, the, the job that I did initially, uh, and then I, I developed a lot of interest in finance. And then I had to, to twist a little bit my career uh, from the traditional development sort of work into pretty much 
more uh, into finance and investment in the corporate world. And, and that's how I had to refigure my, my, my career in terms of, you know, going back to school, doing my MBA, uh, and then, of course, doing other certifications in finance and investment to give me all the necessary tools uh, to be able to operate in this market. And, of course, there is this history at where I am today. Amazing. So pivot from public to private to a wide range of uh, financial services that uh, that you do and offer as well. Um, is, that, is that your primary focus at the moment in terms of, um, you know, the entrepreneurial approach and just uh, helping helping other companies in that space? Yeah, so the focus now and, and the focus now, of course, I think we probably keep as a company at least for the next few years at a company level and for me at individual level uh, is to build a, a financial services sort of a marketplace where if you walk in into our company, you should be able to be catered for any type of financial service that you need, uh, whether as, as, as an individual or as a company. Uh, so we're trying to be as diversified as possible, but within uh, the realm of financial services. So everything around uh, financial advisory, uh, whether it's investment banking, which for us covers wealth management, uh, capital raising, uh, measures like positions and stuff like that, uh, uh, or uh, you know, building and setting our own fund in the private equity and venture capital space where we directly invest in, in startups. Uh, and then, of course, we have also ventured into Islamic finance as a new uh, model of financing, which is coming up quite heavily uh, in many parts of the world. Uh, so, of course, we want to also do some work in insurance and, uh, and risk management space. So that's where the focus is now, building one stock marketplace where we can have uh, a menu of different financial services that can cater for not just individual or consumer uh, customers, but as well uh, institutional or corporate clients that are looking for this type of services. So now you mentioned in, in the introduction, uh, I just got in, appointed by the president to be the board chair of one of the government agencies uh, which is involved in agri. Uh, so there's also part of me now that will also be focusing on the public service, uh, which probably I tried to, uh, to run away from initially. Yeah, but that, but this is uh, this is a very important aspect because uh, I mean, obviously, when you move into board roles and um, you know the type of work that you're doing, you'll always have a um, you, you know, an influence not only in the private side but also on the public side of things, and we'll come into the in, into the role of the chair and the board as well very shortly. But I'm curious about the things that you mentioned around, you know, the startups and uh, the investments and so forth that you're you're doing. And I I, I read, um, you know, within within Africa when we look at just even just venture capital investment that has grown tremendously from 200 million to. Uh, you know, in a couple, you know, a couple of decades ago, to you know, over five billion very recently, oh. and and there's a lot of collaboration with different uh, international organizations, local organizations as well. But in your view, Salim, how do you feel? You know, African countries as well as in Tanzania rank when it comes to creating and enabling this environment for, you know, business finance, technology startups to thrive. What's what's your view on that? Uh, sorry, uh, Stephen, I think I lost you. Uh, 
that's okay I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll I'll repeat the question here so so there, there is a lot of great things happening in Tanzania um, in terms of investments mm. uh, in terms of venture capitalism and so forth and uh, in your view how do you feel you know the African continent as well as in Tanzania how does how does it rank when it comes to creating and enabling an environment for business finance and technology startups to thrive yeah, I think uh, so. One thing for sure that you will see uh, if you were to travel to Africa today is there's a huge, huge transformation that we see in the business environment and, and tech and investment landscape. Uh, you know, in the past, probably people thought Africa is pretty much not a place where you can do business. Uh, unfortunately, uh, international community. Uh, was was heavily exposed to the negativity about the African continent, uh, but that is changing and it's been changing quite heavily uh, recently. Uh, and one of the evidence of that is, as you mentioned, uh, last year, uh, African startups uh, and majority being tech startups uh, raised uh, $5 billion, yeah. which was three times more uh, than the African investment which you raised in the past three years. Uh, so that's an indication that there's a very growing appetite and interest in the market. That's one. But secondly, governments are also embracing this idea of startups, uh, improving the business environment and attracting international capital and investments coming to Africa. So you would see many African uh, countries, including Tanzania, uh, relooking into their old school legacy policy frameworks, which were created before uh, all these, you know, uh, dynamics of startups and, and tech developments to see how can they be reviewed to suit uh, what is happening now. Uh, so you'd see some countries in Africa, such as Senegal, uh, you see Tunisia, uh, you see Kenya heading to this, the, the right direction where they have uh, enacted whether a startup act or a startup policy, which has become a popular policy uh, framework uh, in Africa that can be used uh, say maybe as a main framework for unlocking startups growth in Africa, but attracting investment as well by addressing all the key impediments that we have been having in the business and in the investment climate. And Tanzania, of course, is also uh, you know following this suit as well. And as we as we speak now, there are a lot of engagements that are happening for for us as well to come up with at least a startup policy that will yeah. be able to provide the rest of the environment for startups yeah. to grow, but at the same time to open up the market and attract international capital coming coming down here. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a very good, uh, uh, very good summary there. And, and when we, and the work that you're doing, you know, in terms of your firm, your, your leadership, um, are, are founders or entrepreneurs or startups uh, or even scale-ups, uh, would they be able to reach out to you or to some of the organizations that you have influence over to, uh, you know, to, to pick up a an ecosystem on how to jumpstart their entrepreneurial journey? Is that how you're positioning yourself as well? Yes. Uh, so what we're trying to do is yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that we, uh, uh, so we, we have, we have looked at the ecosystem here. And we have sort of categorized the ecosystem into different aspects. Uh, we call them pillars. So we know the ecosystem requires a lot of investment, say, in the tech infrastructure, uh, like data and, and such things. We know the, the, there's, a, there's space for government to come in and do policies. Uh, there's space for corporates to come in 
and of course you have the infrastructure and technology and other resources they have for for sorry uh, for startups as well uh, and one one additional thing that we 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 said okay fine we, if you look at the entire landscape of the ecosystem uh, one of the key components of the of this ecosystem is the supply of capital so our main focus actually is on the supply of capital to the ecosystem uh, so if someone was to start today as say as a founder first time founder coming to the market uh, one thing that they will probably not get from us is the initial incubation uh, which is the role of other players that we have decided to leave it to other players to do that. So in Tanzania now, as we speak, we have 70 plus hubs uh, that, are work with, that work as incubators or accelerators to support all these startups to start. Uh, so we want them to start. And then for us, we come at, at the next stage where now they want to come to the market and start raising money. So our participation and our platforms and everything that we do, we're trying to simplify and make it easy for businesses to come to the market and raise money. But if they want to start from the scratch as first-time founders, uh, I think it's a role that we've decided to leave it to other players who are doing a lot of work around the incubation and acceleration. Yeah, amazing. And um, Salon, we, you know, we, you know, we talked about, um, you know, you being the the chair of, of the board um, of the um, cereals and other produce board in, in Tanzania. What, uh, what what's your initial view on the challenges that you see just generally from a board perspective? Uh, yeah, so of course challenges are pretty much uh, uh, sizable, uh, if I may. Uh, and so the first thing that that I learned about the board was very simple. Uh, so Tanzania, the way we have structured, especially the agricultural sector, is we have what we call crop boards. These are the boards that are, you know, mandated by the government to uh, oversee the growth of that particular crop sector. So if it's tea, then you have a tea board. If it's sugar, you have a sugar board. If it's coffee, you have a coffee board and all that. But their role and their mandate is pretty much about regulations on the pricing and, and supporting farmers to get the support that they need. Uh, but our board is different. So our, our board is mandated and structured as a corporation. So we are supposed to do business, not just about doing the traditional government work of, say, improving the post environment. Uh, so what I've seen is, as much as there's a lot of work that has been done so far uh, with the previous board and, and the existing management, but we also see that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Uh, and one thing that you know for sure is uh, main African countries are still very agricultural heavy. Tanzania, for instance, one third of the GDP comes from agriculture. Yeah. Uh, more than two thirds of employment uh, come from, comes from agriculture. Uh, more than uh, 90% of the uh, food security comes from our farmers here. Uh, and so, but if you look at the value uh, that ag is adding to these people, all the players uh, in, in, the, in the ecosystem is still very low. Farmers are pretty much still very uh, poor, if I may, uh, as much as they do a lot of work. So Agri has not been able to, you know, unlock their their wealth and become at least uh, financially, uh, you know, well in a position that they can take care of themselves and their families. So we want to see how can Agri really do that? How can we really unlock Agri through the work that we do as a board? 
uh, to, to help either on access to market or providing better prices. So this is some of the things that we really want to do. And of course, we have also come into a play where it's a very challenging time, uh, where you know, the, the, the pressure from climate change uh, and the Russia-Ukraine war have heavily impacted on the price of food here. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's sort of increase in food prices in the market. And there's a lot of sort of public outcry. So we are trying to see as a board, you know, why, how can we address this challenge and make sure that food is print, print available, mm. uh, prices go down, uh, and we are food secure as a country. Yeah. Salam, I, I like the way you positioned, um, you know, your view of the board and how you're influencing it being not the traditional governance board, which is still important, but it's an entrepreneurial board and looking at how you can influence business in the region, in the nation, and looking at global forces as well. So uh, it's 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 good, that line of thinking. You know, the board matters are very close to my heart as well. And there's obviously different schools of thought around running of boards and so forth. But the way you positioned it is is definitely... You know, beneficial to to the country and to the businesses and to the uh, to the different sectors that you you outlined there. Um, Salum, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, as a leader, what's what's an experience or a story that you can share that comes to mind? Um, you know, as as a leader yourself in your current roles that has resulted in a highly positive outcome. I know you touched on a few things, but any 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 stories that you want to share? Uh, wow. Uh, so probably one of the things that comes to me quickly uh, is, so before 2010, uh, Tanzanian producers, whether in agri or in manufacturing, uh, if they were to export or if they were to sell their products in the mainstream retail, uh, retail market, whether it's supermarkets uh, or, you know, in other food, food chains, uh, they will be required to have a barcode, uh, which is uh, uh, for 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 all these uh, buyers and off takers, uh, it's an indication that uh, you know this company in the in the production has gone through the required process. Uh, they are licensed, uh, you know, you know they, they have all, all compliances and everything. Uh, and so one of the challenges that we we had at that time was Tanzanian producers could not get barcodes here. Because for a country to issue barcodes to its producers, you need to apply for, for an international license from a body uh, called GS1 Global, which is based out of Belgium. Uh, so we didn't have uh, the license then as a country. So all the producers here were to go to Kenya and South Africa to do that. And as a result, would make Tanzanian products very expensive if you were to compare to, say, Kenyan products, because they could source such uh, barcodes uh, locally. So the government and the private sector decided to intervene and find a way to, to, for Tanzania to be licensed. So when that decision was made, there's only, only a window of 10 days uh, before the expire of that window to apply for a license. And they probably have to wait for the, uh, for the following year. And Tanzania as a country, the government wanted really to have the license that year. So they want to get someone to do that. So when you go to this uh, global agency, uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, including doing a study and say a business plan and everything to justify that Tanzania now is ready to be licensed and start issuing barcodes to its producers. So everyone who was contracted to do the job said, no, 10 days, uh, uh, impossible. You cannot do this in 10 days. Uh, and then I was contracted as well to support uh, that, that, that move. 
so I was hired as a consultant then uh, to support the government and the private sector to do all the required processes, yeah, documentation and research and everything to qualify uh, for Tanzania to be issued uh, the license. And of course, I did it in 10 days uh, and we managed to do, to do the application and the, the outcome was positive in Tanzania was for, for the first time licensed to issue barcodes, which as result today has managed uh, to help thousands uh, uh, and thousands of small businesses as producers to access not just local, uh, but also export markets to sell their, their, their products, grow their businesses, get more jobs and pay more taxes to the government. Amazing. Yeah. That's such, 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 such a strong influence and, and leadership that you actually showed there. What's, uh, you know, what's, what's your, um, you, you know, your, your general view on your, uh, your secret for, formula to, to your success with all the things that you've actually done over the, the last couple of decades? So for me, I think is three P's. Uh, one is patience. Uh, second is persistence. And third is perseverance. So for me, these are three things. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you have great ideas, uh, whether you have great knowledge, whether you have great skills. But if you cannot be patient, you'll give up. Uh, if you're not persistent, you'll give up. Uh, or you lose direction and then we'll be jumping over here and there. And you, won't, and you lose your focus. Uh, and if you cannot persevere as well, you won't be able uh, to weather the storms that you know come to you in your in your career growth. I think you'd agree with me. Uh, being an entrepreneur is is ten x difficult than being an employee. Uh, you know, you just clock in. Uh, you know, do the work that you've been allocated for, uh, and then probably at five you are off the office, uh, and then probably in twenty five days. Uh, you have a check, uh, you know, credited to a bank account, uh, you know, and there are times when you're not feeling like working, you can call in sick. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you can never call in sick. Uh, so even on, on your, your worst day, you need to get up, you have to dress up and show up. And so for me, I think uh, patience, perseverance, uh, uh, and persistence are three main vices that have helped to get me where I am today. Yeah, amazing. No, that's very, very, very important. I completely am in, in alignment with you on that one. So, Lumi, you've you've authored several books. Uh, would you like to to share with us one of them? I know is Dare or Die. I love the title. Do you want to share anything on uh, on the books yeah. that you've uh, you've authored? Yeah. So I've authored three books, uh, but one of the one of the books is now out of circulation. Uh, so we are trying to make some improvements. Uh, so we probably go back into circulation before the end of the year. So two books are in circulation. They are also available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So my first book was Dare or Die. And the idea is very simple. Dare or Die simply talks of an individual who uh, wants to have a, a dream. Uh, they want to pursue their dream. But, you know, they are faced with this fear of failure. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know what, what if I, I maybe have a good job, I work as a, as a banker, uh, and uh, you know, I want to leave this job and go start my own business. What if I fail? Uh, you know, what if it doesn't work? Uh, so you're always faced with two scenarios. Scenario one is you may be hating a job, but you're keeping it just because you, you want security. Uh, or you can go out uh, and try and pursue your dream and probably do more good things. So you are either uh, in a position to dare and go kill your dream and, 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 and be in a position where you are 
for the rest of your life. So that's what the book is all about. So partly it reflects my personal experience when I left my job and started my career uh, as an entrepreneur uh, and some of the uh, negative talk that people bring to you, you know, why would you quit your job? You know, you, know, you should keep it there. Your entrepreneurship is very unpredictable. Uh, and, and for me, I was, I was done. Uh, I wanted to pursue my, my, my dream and, and the career that I wanted at that time. So I decided to dare and not to kill my dream. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that the book talks about. But secondly, of course, Smart Up Your Startup is the book that I, I, I wrote uh, after my experience with, you know, the, the business that I'm doing. Uh, so I started as a traditional uh, consultant. Uh, so I worked with small and medium-sized uh, businesses and a few corporates as well. And I learned so many things about why businesses fail. Uh, and one thing that I came into conclusion is, uh, as much as each business is unique, uh, there are challenges and, and, and factors that lead for, for business to die that are pretty much common to, more, to, to most businesses. So I decided to pick five uh, out of all these uh, challenges and to write a book about uh, that will address, you know, the, the factors as, 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 as you know, uh, things that people, you know, people face when, when they're trying to grow their businesses. So Smart Up Your Startup is pretty much talking about how can you uh, make your startup business more smarter in terms of whether it's management, uh, whether it's your finances, whether it's your sales and marketing, uh, whether it's your governance, succession planning, and all sorts of type of things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the two books uh, that's, that's, that's the talk about. And of course, the third book, which is out of circulation, as I said, uh, is called Where is the Money? Um, uh, so Where is the Money talks about the challenges that small businesses, startups, and all businesses in general face in Africa. So despite the growth that we saw last year, where $5 billion worth of investments were invested in, in, into startups, Africa still faces between 200 to $300 billion worth of uh, financing gap for SMEs. So we still need to deploy a lot of money. Uh, and there are all these different options which uh, Africa is now experiencing. Uh, so in the past, people used just to go to banks and raise money from banks with traditional debt. But now you have everything. You can go to the market and do a, a corporate bond. You can, you can do an IPO. You can raise money from angel investors. You can go for crowdfunding. Uh, you can go to venture capital and private equity investors. Uh, you know, there's so many things that you can, you can do now to raise money as opposed to what you could probably do in the past 10, 15, 20 years in this market. So the book talks about all these different sources of financing. You know, what are they? How do they work? Uh, what are the pros and cons of each source? And what can you do as an entrepreneur to uh, uh, approach one of these sources to raise money for your business? Hence the title, Where's the Money? Yeah, amazing. And well done. Um, Salum, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. What does a day in the life of Salum look like? I know you touched on a few things, but uh, <laughs> morning, morning to evening. Yeah, yeah. So, so I usually have pretty busy days. Uh, so one thing that I do is I wake up at five, I do my prayers, and then of course I do a few things in the morning. I would I exercise uh, probably for thirty minutes, uh, and then of course I have my morning tea, green tea, probably or coffee, uh, and then I check my emails and a bit of social media uh, just to see what is happening uh, because I'm quite active on social media. So I usually want to see uh, whether people, you know, ask some stuff based on the post that I did previously. Uh, and then I look at my day, plan of the day, uh, the meetings that I have, I line up everything. Uh, and then, of course, 
by uh, before eight, I hit the road, uh, come to the office. Or of course, sometimes I have meetings outside the office. So that would probably run up to say one, I usually break, I do my prayers again. As a Muslim, we're supposed to do five prayers a day. So I try to comply to that as much as I can. Uh, and then of course, uh, after lunch, usually is my, uh, my day starts slowing down uh, between two to five, where I usually push, pretty much most of my meetings, I usually push them to that time. So I use my morning times for, uh, you know, doing my in-house work. So that's where I think I'm most productive. Uh, and then from five, I'm done. Uh, and then I just do some light work, uh, you know, catch up with news, what is happening in the world, uh, you know, uh, regionally, globally, uh, and nationally, uh, and catch up with family. Uh, and of course, winding up uh, probably uh, by 7.38, I'm done. And by 10, I'm in bed. Very balanced and very, very, very inclusive, but yet very, very comprehensive as well. Mm. Uh, no, that's 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 very good. Um, yeah. Salam, we're we're coming to to a close very shortly. Uh, is there any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders within the region or even globally, or to emerging leaders or boards or organizations that you want to share with, either closing or challenge? So for me, I think one of the things that we really need to work on uh, with uh, uh, as boards where we are, uh, we are entrusted to lead organizations, whether as an entrepreneur or a business or political leader, one of the biggest things that I, I think we need to do in Africa now is to build skills of our people. I think if there's one thing that we really, really lack is proper talent and skills in the market. Uh, and for me, I think Let's say today we want to turn around this board that we have been entrusted uh, with to, to, to do the work that I said earlier that we want to do. If you don't have uh, people with the right skills and the right talent in-house, there's nothing you can do. Uh, so if today uh, uh, you know, you are, you're supposed to run the government, if you, are, you don't have people with the right skills to build your cabinet, to be appointed different government positions, uh, there's nothing you can do. So for me, I think number one thing that we need to do is, is skills uh, and, and talent. And that, of course, calls for uh, reviewing our education system across Africa and produce the type of people that are competitive, uh, that have the right mindset uh, and can do the work that we want to do as a continent. So everything else to me, I think, can come into a play, whether it's, it's finance, where most people talk about as one of the major challenges for doing business in Africa, uh, whether it's policies, where of course governments need to do a lot of work to make sure that the policy environment is quite friendly. Uh, but for me, I think uh, with all the opportunities we have, if you bring in all the finance, uh, if you have the right policies, but if you don't have the right people to do the job, uh, we won't be able to move a needle. So for me, the main message is wherever you are, make sure that you empower your people, uh, give them the right skills, uh, train them, retrain them, uh, make sure that they embrace the, what is happening now in the world uh, and they become as competitive, forward-looking, in the right mindset to do the job that we want them to do. Wonderful. Wise words and sensible words from a progressive-minded leader. Salom, thank you very much for being with us today and sharing your journey and all the exciting things that you're doing in the region, both private in the private sector as well as in the public sector. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode where we'll hear from the CEO and chair of an international firm who is an expert in navigating the ever 
changing climate of Wall Street and his take on the IPO industry, as well as his secrets to making it real for businesses. Stay tuned for our next episode on this and continue to stay on to hear about an exclusive offer for you. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.